Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad tonight the Lord loves you? When everybody else don't, he does. Amen. That's all that matters is that he loves you. He gave his life, amen, on Calvary. That's how much he loves us. Would you give your life for no good, filthy world? <laughs> but he did. Amen. I'm glad that's good news tonight for those that are lost. He gave his life for you, no matter how messed up you are, to bring you out of your sin and bring you out of your bondage. This world is in a mess. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And the only thing that can fix you is Jesus Christ. The only one that can put you in your right mind is Jesus Christ. Some of us, we've been there. Well, we all had to get saved, but some were a little worse than others. Some were a little more messed up than others. And it's still going to take a lifetime to keep straightening us out. Amen. Keep getting stuff out of us. But I'm glad tonight I'm here and I'm in my right mind. I'm glad I didn't get up this morning with a hangover, puking my guts up, messed up. The devil got you bound and miserable and you can't function. Your mind's all messed up. I'm glad tonight we're in our right mind, praise God, because Jesus put us in our right mind. He can put you in your right mind too. I don't care who you are, he can put you in your right mind if you open your heart up and you let him have his way. Change your life. We got a few witnesses in here tonight. I don't know where everybody else is at. Did the cold weather might have scared them or what? But praise God we're here. We're going to have church tonight. We're going to take up the offering, and we're going to ask you if you're able to give tonight, to give. Pray that as the Lord has blessed you, that you'll bless the work of God. And uh, I hadn't really mentioned anything about mission trips, but it kind of came to my mind. I want to mention everybody to don't forget to keep giving for missions work. Next year, we uh, we were talking to a pastor in Mexico about trying to go back to Mexico. So we're praying about that, and we'll be talking to him again here probably pretty soon. And... uh, See if we um, if we feel like that's what the Lord wants and He can put it together, then we will probably try to head for Mexico next year and uh, another part of Africa. Probably um, I don't know where just yet. There's there's other doors, there's places we can go. I'm just trying to share this. I ain't on my phone plan. I'm trying to share this video. Just about got it. But the Lord, we try to just go wherever the Lord opens the door where we feel like God wants us to go. And so pray about it with us and give, give, give. We have some money in the missions uh, fund, which we always have a little bit here and there. So we got some. So we're asking people just continue to give to help us to go wherever the Lord opens the door for us to go. Somebody said, well, I, I can't see you going anywhere with the things like they are. Well, that's not how God sees it. You know, that ain't the way the Lord looks at things. The Lord doesn't look at all the bad things going on and say, well, we got to stop y'all. We can't, we can't do that. We can't. Yeah, it's pretty, kind of dangerous. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be a good idea to do this or do that. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. So we try to do it every way we can. And that means if he sends us in these other countries, then we try to go. So give and help us. And I know the Lord bless you. Let's pray over the offering tonight. And those of you watching online, you can give online. You'll see a link to where you can donate. Father, we thank you tonight for your spirit, for your power. We thank you for... Your love, and as the song says, oh, how he loves you and me, because he gave his life on Calvary. And Lord, I praise you tonight, God, and I thank you for what you've done to save us, to set us free. And Lord, we just want more people to get what we have. Lord, we want more people to know you, to know that your love is real, your power is real, your deliverance is real, 
Your salvation is so real, Lord, if people would just grab a hold of it. And we ask you to touch people tonight, bless the service, bless those that give, those watching through the Internet. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll cherish the Oregon cross Till my trophies at last I'll lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown And on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross Was the emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies had So I'll cherish the 
then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share and I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies and last I'll lay down I will cling to the Robert, it's good to see you tonight. Walked through the door. I almost didn't know who you was there for a minute. You trimmed that thing up. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody that made it out tonight. And nobody's ready for cold weather, are they? Nope. Ready or not, here it comes. Bear through it. When we get to heaven, it'll be one temperature all the time. Perfect. It'll be a perfect temperature. No thermostat to have to change or anything. Perfect temperature. No pains, no hurt, no backaches, no heartache, no headache, no devil. Amen. Tonight we're going to go back to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. And I don't know where everybody is tonight. I, I don't know what the deal is with people, if they got issues, maybe people are sick or whatever reasons. They can't be here, so don't want you to think we're harping on you, picking on you because you're not here. But if you're sitting there watching this and you could be here, <laughs> now, 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 you know better than that. <clears throat> there are very few excuses for missing church, very few. One would be you need to be laid up in the hospital. <laughs> really sick. Or you had to work. You had to. Other than that, I don't think there's really any more excuses. 
forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is, the Bible said, because the days are here, the wicked days. And, you know, when we come together, people's been hit, people's had problems during the week. And when you come together, together, and you praise the Lord together, and you see your brother and sister, even though you may be having a hard time, it does something. It helps to encourage you, to build you up. We can't all sit at home when we're having a hard time. Come on. Can't all sit at home when you're having a hard time. You've got to press through. You've got to press through and do things God's way. And I tell you, things will get better. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus is the light. Amen. And just hold on. No matter what you're going through, there is a way out of it. That way is through Jesus Christ. So be encouraged tonight, whoever you are. Colossians chapter 1, verse uh, 28, no, 25 is what I'm going to pick up reading that. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to touch me tonight. Lord, touch your people. You're, open your word to us, Lord, and help us to understand it, Lord, in a way that maybe we haven't understood it before, that it would be real to us, that it would jump off the pages, that it would come alive in our heart, Lord, that it would correct us, it would teach us, it would encourage us, it would instruct us, Lord, in your word and in your ways. Lord, I ask tonight that you... Touch everybody here, those that are not here tonight, whoever they are, wherever they are. Lord, we pray that you lay your hand on them. Those that are sick, I ask you to touch them. Those that are struggling, those that are encountering attacks, God, reveal yourself to them in a mighty way and strengthen them. Lord, show them, Lord, there is hope in you. There is help in you. There is victory in you and you alone. Lord, I thank you tonight, God, that there is nothing that you can't get us through. There is no test, no power of darkness, no attack, God, that you cannot bring us through, Lord, as we trust you. And, Lord, I know that the church is under attack. The, the world has gone crazy, and there's evil abounding everywhere. But for us who know you, there is a peace that passes all understanding that we know everything is in your control, Lord, and you are going to take care of us. So I ask you tonight, have your way in this church. Move through the camera. Touch those on the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read a little bit of background again, information about the chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Colossians for those that had not been here and just kind of freshen up on some things too to maybe try to go forward tonight. After um, Paul wrote this letter here and opening this letter um, from verses 1 through 3, the, Paul prays that in addition to having love that the Colossians will increase 
in knowledge. This knowledge is not like the theorizing of the Gnostics, which leads only to feelings of superiority and self-satisfaction. It is a personal and a practical knowledge of God and His will, which will produce a healthy spiritual life of fruitfulness for God. Right behavior will only be possible as they have the right knowledge. You need to remember that. You want to live right? Do you want to live right before God? You have to have the right knowledge. And the knowledge you have to have, it ain't, it ain't how much knowledge you have. It's what your knowledge is of. It's what your faith is in. I was talking with a young man the other night that was uh, stopped down here where I'm working, and me and him had a good conversation. Young man's 28 years old, and he got, man, he started telling me his testimony. I mean, the power of God fell on me, and he, he repeated, he told me about how he got saved in his bedroom looking up at the ceiling and in a mess and all messed up. And he said, all I did was said, God, if you're there, I need you. And I mean, the Spirit of God hit me because I thought, my Lord, that's exactly what I said when I got saved. And I sat and listened to him. And, and we had a good time, I mean, talking about the Lord probably for over an hour. And I mean, you could tell that young man truly got saved. He's been in every kind of recovery program, addiction program, and this program, and that program has even helps helping somewhat, you know, in a part of one or two somewhere right now. He's trying to help younger men, and we were talking about, you know, uh, salvation and sanctification. I was, t- I told him after I let him tell his, I said, man, let me tell you. I said, the reason why I'm feeling like that, because man, that's that's what happened to me when I got saved 24 years ago. I came to the end of my road, and and I cried out to God. Went on the phone when my mom confronted me, and I just said, God, if you're there, I need you. And I said, man, I felt it, boy, when you said that. I mean, we were just about to have church up in there, and. And, you know, he, he's been in all kind of trouble, 28 years old, in jail, out of jail, fighting stuff similar to what I've been through, some of you. And he said, I, I got saved. He said, what I've seen the most of is, he said, a lot of people, they, some of these guys, they really do, they get saved, but what happens is, he said, they don't know what to do from there. They said, he said, I was, I was in that, that cycle myself of going, you know, going to church and trying to live right and then, you know, leaving the next week and going out and doing stuff I didn't want to do and getting into stuff or doing things. I said, you know why you did that? I said, let me explain to you why. I said, because it's called progressive sanctification. I said, son, most preachers don't even understand this. They don't understand Romans chapter 7. They don't understand what Paul taught about the sin nature and about the flesh and the law. And I said, what the church, what people are missing is that progressive sanctification, learning how to live this. I said, it ain't in what you do. It's in what you believe. I said, it's not in your, your knowledge. And it's, it's, it's ironic because he was telling me, he said, man, I know. He said, he said I thought, you know, I, I went through that motions of just thinking I need to, if I pray more and if I do this more and I read the Bible more and I'm going through my program and I just discipline myself, I was thinking all that stuff was going to, you know, get me something with God. And I thought, man, this boy's learning something. And I said, you know, I said, I'm not knocking the program and stuff that you're talking about and all this thing. You don't mention the program. I said, the problem with it is most of the programs, they don't want to give Jesus Christ the glory. They want to glorify the program. And I said, you can't do that. Your faith has to be in Jesus Christ. I said, and what he did at the cross because it's there that he broke the power of sin. So it's not... It's, it, you've got to have knowledge, but your knowledge has got to be in that and that alone. 
If you want to live right, you've got to have the right knowledge. Right behavior will be the end result. Let me move on from that. This knowledge is not like the theorizing of the Gnostics, which leads only again to feelings of superiority and self-satisfaction. It's a personal, practical knowledge of God and His will. Right behavior will be possible as you have the right knowledge. The power to live such a life with patience and joy comes from God alone. Through Christ, he has saved them from the powers of evil and made them fit to share the good things that he has prepared for them in his kingdom. This work is already done. We don't have to do anything to live right except believe and trust in what Jesus did. That's it. And you see, when we do that, God gets the glory. Jesus, man don't get the glory. The program don't get the glory. The, the celebrate recovery. I mean, you got every kind of program under the sun out there. He was talk, talking about some of them. I said, I'm not knocking all of them. Some of them may, may mean well, but they, they ain't right. They're not teaching the people the right way. AA ain't going to help you. Twelve steps can't change you. I said, son, I, we were talking about, I said, look, son, I, the Lord sent me one time to a halfway house in Middle Tennessee. My wife and I, my, my mom had, had a friend of hers at church who was running. I didn't even know what it was. He asked, told my mom, said, would you think your son would come and preach or give his testimony sometime? And she told me and everything. I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. But I, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that he run a group home with a bunch of men. And so after I got invited, I started studying and asking, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to preach? So I'm studying the Word of God, and the Lord started giving me stuff, and then the Spirit of God started, you know, impressing upon me to, to make sure that I, that, I, that I explain and preach and tell whoever these people are, I didn't know who I was going to preach to, that no program can set you free. That the power to be free is in the blood of Jesus. I mean, God gave me all this stuff, and I like, whoo, boy, this is going to be a barn burner. This is going to be this is going to be something else. And I walked. We walked through the door, and that place it was kind of a little bit dark inside or whatnot. And I never forget sitting there. I'm getting ready. I got my Bible in my hand. I'm thinking about you know preaching. I look up, and there's twelve steps on the wall. And I looked, and I looked at. It, and I said, uh oh. Somebody's fixing to have a problem. It ain't me. Because the Lord has told me what to preach. And I begin to preach, give my testimony, and tell about the power of God. And I mean, <laughs> the power of God moved in that place. Man, people got under conviction. One time we went back, I think one, one other time I preached, boy got filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody ever laid a hand on him. He hit the floor speaking in other tongues, got up speaking in other tongues. All because I went with the power of God preaching the gospel. I didn't get invited back after that. But see, Jesus Christ is the one who got all the glory, not a program. And you see, if you're going to be in something like that, you say, well, well, God, that's what God wants me to be in. That's how God wants to use me. Okay, well, let me just check you on something. If that's what you're going to be in, and you think God's going to use you in something like that, glorify Jesus Christ and give him all the credit and point people in him for the, all their deliverance that they need. And let's see how long you stay there. 
Your services will no longer be needed. But that's what the gospel does. Look, look, there ain't no two ways, church. There ain't no 12 steps. There ain't no 10 steps. There's no three steps or two steps. There's one way to freedom from sin. And it's sad that the church don't preach this. Preachers don't preach this. But this is it's the very thing that can change a person's life. Just think about when you got saved. What did you do to get saved? Nothing. Except give your life to Jesus. What did you do? So what makes you think you can change yourself? You can't. It's, it takes the miracle work and power of God to go on to change us. That's what me and the young man was talking about. I said it's progressive sanctification that people are missing. I said it's not wrapped up in what you do. It's what you believe. And I was able to give him two expository study Bibles, one for him and one for his wife. I said, here's a Bible that will help you. Read it. And ask the Lord to show you things. And I thought, man, that what a, what a powerful testimony. The devil's trying to destroy young people. These young generation of people who God wants to make strong young men and women of God. But yet there's one there. He said, I was looking at 90 years in prison. He said, I'm still going through, I'm still in the system. And there, I ain't even finished all the court stuff and everything. And as he's telling me all this stuff, I mean, I felt the Spirit of God come on me. I said, son, I tell you what, you ain't going to see a prison. I don't believe you're going to see the inside of a prison. Because I believe God's got his hand on you. You live right and you do things. He said, my probation officers, they can't believe it. They, they, can't, they said, they're shocked. He said, I'm talking to them. I'm changed. Everything's different, and they can't believe it. He said, it's blowing. I said, that's what the Lord wants, son, and you keep living right. You won't see the inside of no prison because that ain't God's will for you to be in a prison cell. He wants you outside of here where you can witness to people. The Lord can turn people around. I mean, we're living testimonies in here tonight. I didn't spend no bunch of years in prison, but had I got caught for everything... I've probably done a lot more time than I ever did. Some of you can testify. We all deserve death, though. We all deserve judgment. We all deserve hell. And we didn't do anything to save ourselves except throw ourselves on the mercy of God. And when we did, we got saved. We got changed. We got touched by the power of God. And all of a sudden, things changed. We stopped doing some things we used to do. Well, how did that all happen? If you had anything to do with it, it didn't. only thing on our part is faith. Having completed his introduction, Paul begins immediately to correct the wrong ideas that have been taught. The teaching he gives in verse 15 through 23 provides a basis for what follows in the rem uh, remainder of the letter. Christ is not some part angelic being. Christ is not some part angelic being, but God himself. God is invisible, yet people can see him and know him in Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can really know God. Outside of Jesus Christ, people are deceived. The Bible says there's only one way to the Father, one way to God, and it's through the Son. So you've got 
You must know Jesus Christ in order to establish a relationship with God the Father or else you can be deceived. He existed before creation and he is superior to all created beings. In fact, he himself is the creator. He is the source and the controller of all things seen and unseen, including the world of angelic beings that the false teachers like to talk about. More than that, he is the goal of all creation. All things exist for his glory. Because of his eternal Godhead, Jesus is the source and the head of the physical creation. Because of his triumphant resurrection, he is the source and the head of the new creation, the church. As head... He is a sovereign ruler. He is not a mixture of God and angel, but has in himself the full nature and power of God. The only way that sinful creation, including men and women, can be reconciled to God is by Jesus Christ. Only through his death can people be brought back to a state of harmony with God. The Colossians should know this, for they themselves have experienced his divine power in saving them from sin. Their salvation has been entirely by Christ who took upon himself a physical body like theirs and in that body bore their sin. Angelic powers can add nothing to what Jesus has already done. Angels are real. Angels are powerful. Angels are God's created being. But angels don't save. Angels don't redeem. Angels are not to be worshipped. Only Jesus. Matter of fact, we're created higher than the angels. Because we're, we're created, we're, we're a whole different creation. We're the human race. They're the angelic race. They're created for God, to, to worship God, to work for God, to do. We're, we're a whole entirely different creation. We, uh, we have a choice and a free will, whereas angels, I believe, the Lord demands, commands, tells them. We don't. You got people in the church saying, we've got this authority and power, we can command angels and this. No, you can't. That's under God's control. You ain't no little God. You ain't no little Jesus. That's under God's control. And we got to be careful that we don't, we don't fall into worshiping anything other than Jesus Christ. If the Colossians want finally to stand before God in the perfection of Christ, they must hold firmly to the truth that the work of Christ is complete and perfect. This truth is the foundation of the gospel wherever that gospel is preached, and it cannot be changed to suit human theories and philosophies. The gospel can't be changed. You can't compromise it. You can't agree with people that are in error. You can't agree with people that believe, listen, that believe stuff that is contrary to the word of God. You don't need a lucky star. You don't need a rabbit foot. You don't need a charm. You don't need a token. You need Jesus Christ. 
funny because you tell people things like that. They look at you kind of funny, kind of crazy, like you're crazy. Like, what, what is this new thing? What you, what's this new thing you're talking about? This is nothing new. This is, this, way, this is the way it's always been. The problem is we don't have enough people preaching it. We don't have enough people telling people that, hey, you need to be careful of error. You need to be careful what you watch on TV. You need to be careful what you scroll over and look at on Facebook. You need to be careful what you listen to. You need to be careful what you allow to go into your mind because what goes into your mind gets into your spirit. And if you allow things that are false to get in your spirit, it will pollute your belief system. And God said, I don't want you corrupted. I want your system pure. I want it to be pure by the blood of my son. I want you to pay attention to what you listen to. I want you to be careful what kind of music you listen to. I want you to watch. Be careful what you read over the internet. I want you to be careful what you listen to because although everybody might sound godly, it don't mean they're on the right track. You can't just believe anything. This sounds foreign. You can't just believe anything. You can't. And you'll find this out sooner or later because if you get off on the wrong track, you go down a wrong road. And listen, here's what happens. Here's what's, no, here's what's going to happen. You get your eyes off of Jesus Christ and you start putting your focus on something other than what he's done. Sin is going to gain a foothold in your life. You're going to slowly start to be dominated by sin and then you're going to go down a path that's going to cause harm to you unless you repent and come back to the foot of the cross. You're going to open a door for the devil to try to gain a foothold on you. I'm talking to Christians. You can go astray. You can leave the truth. You can believe something that is false. And just like these Colossians did, you start having all these problems in the church. Now you got this one believes has this belief, this one has this belief. One says it's angels, the other says I, I keep the Sabbath day, the other says I'm Jewish, the other says I'm... I was talking with a young boy last weekend, talking about how he's, he thinks he, he can keep the commandments, he can keep all the law. And I said, well, if you're going to go back under the Jewish system... How are you going to get to Jerusalem to go offer a sacrifice when they start sacrificing? He kind of looked at me funny. How are you going to get to Jerusalem? Look, that stuff, it's, it's done, church. It's over with. All the blood of those bulls and goats that were offered under the old covenant come to an end because the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, has come in the flesh and died, praise God. I'm not under law. I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have to keep a Sabbath day. I ain't bound by trying to keep Ten Commandments. I'm bound to Jesus Christ, praise God. And because I am, He's helping me to keep all of His Word as much as I can. That's what we're supposed to be looking to do. Not keeping Ten Commandments, keeping your faith in Jesus. And then as you do, the Holy Spirit works in you, and then he, He'll start lining you up with His Word. You know, there's stuff in there that you could read right now that some of us could read, and you think, I ain't in line with that. I'm not where that says I should be. But if you give God time, and you give the Holy Spirit time, God's going to start lining you up in here with this. 
and your life is going to start changing, but it ain't going to happen without you reading this and studying this. Yeah, how, you don't know what you got if you don't read it. You don't know what God says is wrong if you don't read this. You don't know what God says is right if you don't read this. You don't know what the gifts of the Spirit are. You don't know what God really wants for your life. You don't know what ministry is. If you don't read this and study this, you don't know. If you got a call on your life tonight, the Lord's put a call on you to use you in a great way. Number one, you ought to have a desire and hunger for this. You ought to have a desire to want to read this, to study and say, Lord, show me what this means. Show me how this applies to my life. Show me how you want to change my heart with this. In order to do it, you got to study it. In this church, I don't believe there's any excuses from anybody for not studying the Word of God and not having an understanding. And look, we give out expositor study Bibles in here which is a very helpful Bible, helpful in helping people to understand the Word. You have no excuses. You're just going to have to discipline yourself, make time, get up earlier, get in, get in the Word, get in the Bible, get in prayer, get along with the Lord. I'm telling you because it's going to help you. Of course it requires discipline. It requires it may require you to have to sacrifice something. I never forget after we got saved, I never read the Bible in my life. But boy, all of a sudden, here comes a hunger. Somebody gives me my first Bible, and now all I want to do is sit down and read the Bible. And man, when I started reading, boy, did I start seeing some things. Man, did my life start changing. And the more I read it, the more I wanted more. That's the result of being born again. Your spirit now has been changed. You got the spirit of God in you. Now the spirit of God in you is connecting with the word of God. And now the word of God is speaking to you. And now it wants to, he wants to change you. And I'll never forget many, many, many times in the first year or two, getting up 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't go to work that early. I mean, I'd, but I'd wake up sometimes 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't go back to sleep. Man, I'd get up and go get, go get the Bible out and just start reading the Bible. And I mean, here it was, boom, boom, stuff jumping off the pages at me. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I got up. But it took discipline. I had, I, I had to get up. I had to move. And I had to ask the Lord to help me. You got to have the Lord's help. And he, let me tell you, he can give you the ump. Nobody come and force me and my wife to do those things. We wanted to. That's how we started growing fast. Let me tell you, you'll determine how much you grow and how quick you grow by whether or not you do it, I'm telling you. You might have to put other things aside to do it, but you'll be glad that you did. The Word of God, you got to have it. Some of the Colossians, confused by the clever arguments of false teachers, might be tempted to accept their teaching. See, false teaching confuses people. And that's Satan's tactic. To conf- God, God is not the author of confusion, the Bible says. The devil is. If you're confused about the war, if you're confused about what's been, if you're confused and now you're going, you're going back and forth, and what the... Uh, then you got to take a look at what you're listening to. You got to take a look at what are you mixing 
in your life? Where are you getting your spiritual information from? Don't get it off Facebook. Get it from the Bible. Don't get it off of these watered-down websites. Don't get it off these watered-down Bible versions. Let's go there for a minute. Watered-down, perverted Bible versions. I still believe in the King James Bible. I believe in the King James Bible. I believe it's the best version there is. And there's a whole lot of others I would just throw out the door. I wouldn't even waste my time trying to read them because they're so watered down. They've taken away the true meaning of the Scripture. And some people say, well, they're just trying to put it in a a, a language and in a way that you can understand it. And there are study Bibles maybe for that, and I'm not saying that they're all wrong, but when you start taking scriptures out of the Bible and you start taking the blood out, the cross, and you start taking hell or hell out and things like that, and you start changing meanings of scriptures, my thinking has always been, well, if the King James is the best and it's the closest to the original, why not just stick to it? That's my thinking. That way, I know I'm safe reading it. I know I don't have to worry about any, anything being misled. And God, if, I, if my heart is sincere and if I want to learn, the Holy Spirit will help me to learn. The these and thou's ain't going to throw me off and confuse me when I know what they mean. But you're sub- subject to believe in false teaching when you listen to that which is wrong. They might think that this teaching is more advanced. There's what the devil does. Well, he knows more. Well, see, this guy over here, he knows more than Thomas. He knows more than family worship. He knows more. He comes across as really, really, real knowledgeable. What's he teaching? Where's he taking you? What's he pointing you to? If he's taking you away from the blood of Jesus and the cross, he's confusing you. He's confusing you. That's why the Bible says that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And there's only few that go through that gate. But it says broad is the gate, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many there be that go through that gate. We got a choice. We, we got to stay on the straight and narrow. You, know, you, you, can't, you can't turn back. Once you start plowing, you got to look straight ahead. And the Bible says there ain't nobody, once a man starts putting his hand to the plow, the Bible says he don't need to be looking back. Paul emphasizes that the gospel that he and Epaphras preach is the only gospel. It has the authority of Christ and... Its genuineness is proved in the experiences of those who preach it. Paul illustrates all this from his own life. The the Gnostics appoint themselves teachers, but Paul was appointed by Christ. By enduring sufferings in the service of Christ, he is sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Let me get back to the scripture now where Paul said in verse 25, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill 
the word of God. He's simply state, making the statement that the gospel that he preaches, this truth that he's trying to relate to these Colossians was given to him by God who is the one who has appointed him to be an apostle to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, even the mystery, verse 26, the mystery which has been hid from the ages, from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So in times past, the cross was somewhat a mystery. People, it was hidden for a time, so to speak, even though there's bits and pieces of it through the Old Testament. It was somewhat hidden, but in the dispensation of grace, under the new covenant at the appointed time, God would raise up men and women and give them a revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. And now that they have that that mystery that was hidden somewhat now has been made revealed. There's nothing hidden. God doesn't have anything hidden from you. He's trying to show it to you. There's nothing in the Bible hidden. There's no secret codes. There's no numbers you can use to unlock certain, you know, understanding of the Bible. There is none of that stuff in the Word. The mystery, which was the gospel of the new covenant, so to speak, is now it's been made, it's made manifest. To who? His saints. I know Jesus tonight. You know what? I know Jesus because somebody before me knew him. I know Jesus tonight. We're here tonight partly because of this man, Paul. Because of his devotion to Jesus Christ, his, his, his devotion and his commitment to lay down his life to preach the gospel to all of that world of that day. He preached it everywhere he went. The power of God used him strongly. People got saved, and today, as a result of it, we're here in America because it came from that side of the world. We got a Bible. Think about this. Think about the miracle you got sitting in your hand tonight or in your seat. Or Think about this miracle. How, how could this come from thousands of years through all of the attacks, all the opposition, all of the, the kings or, and those who tried to get rid of it, those who tried to stamp it out, those who tried to get rid of the influence of Christianity, how do we have the word of God tonight? God has sustained his word. He's watched over it and he's made sure that we in America can have the gospel and people all over the world People in Africa, Asia, Pakistan, people all over the world, this mystery has now been revealed. What is it? That you are a sinner on your way to hell, but Jesus Christ died to save you. And it doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, what your race is, black, white, red, yellow. Jesus died for you. It's been made manifest to all his saints. Verse 27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. There it is. What's this all about? This is all about Jesus in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
There's only hope. Christ in us. Your only hope in this world is Jesus in you. The only hope for your relationship, Jesus. The only hope for your messed up life, Jesus. The only hope for your drug addiction, Jesus. The only hope for your alcoholism, Jesus. He's the only hope. And we have it. So we shouldn't hide it. We ought to tell people about it. It's the hope of glory. Verse 28 says, whom we preach. See, this is what we preach, Paul says. We preach Jesus. We preach Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And look what else we do. We warn every man. Some of y'all getting warned tonight. Warning. Don't be deceived. Warning. Don't just listen to anybody. Warning. The way is straight. The gate is narrow to heaven. Don't leave the path. Warning. This is something a lot of the church don't want to hear. Preachers don't want to talk about. Oh, you mean if I, if I do that, I might lose somebody. If I do that, somebody may not give a big check anymore. If I say something about sin or bondage or alcohol or somebody cheating on their wife or something, if I say something about that, I might upset somebody. Now you're getting it. A false way leads to a sinful lifestyle. That's what false doctrine does. It leads people off into sin. See, when your sin's not dealt with, there's no remedy for it. Jesus is the answer. He said, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present, look, every man, every man. You want to be perfect? Do you want to be mature? The word perfect doesn't really speak of perfection as we know it. It speaks of maturity. Your relationship with Jesus, how much do you want? How much more do you want to be a man or a woman of God? How much closer do you want to get to God? How much more would you like for God to mature you in the things of God? How much more would you like to grow in the knowledge of God's Word? How much more would you, I mean, just like to see God elevate you in the spiritual realm? You can have it, but you can only have it in Christ Jesus. You can only have it through your faith in what he's done. Somebody said, boy, you just talk about Jesus a lot. You're getting it. Because without him, you don't have anything. Without him, you don't know God. Without him, you deceive. Without him, you're lost. Without him, you're stumbling around out here trying to figure out what's what. But see, in him, everything starts getting revealed to you. The things you can't understand, he helps you to understand. He said we, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That means mature. He wants to mature us. He wants, he wants to make you somebody that can be a benefit to somebody else to help you to be able to give wisdom to those that don't know the gospel. For those that don't understand this message of the cross for sanctification, God wants to reveal it in you so you can give it to them.
He said in verse 29, Whereunto I also labor. I work. He said, I labor. I'm working in the field. I'm doing everything I can to get the gospel to people. I'm not going to be lazy about it. I'm not going to be lethargic. I'm going to work. This man, I I look at Brother Swagger today at 88 years old and (laughs) how he works for the Lord. Day in and day out in that office in that ministry, day in and day out on those programs in the morning, I'm thinking, man, that old fella runs circles around me. That's all he knows. It's his life. And, of course, I'm not, my calling's not exactly like his. I'm not trying to do everything like him and this and all. I didn't try that stuff years ago. Don't work. Don't try to make your ministry like somebody else's. You got to let God make you what God wants to make you, make you. But I look at his work ethic, look at his love for souls, his commitment to preach the gospel and think, man, that's work. Laboring. Why? To get the gospel to people. But he says this, weren't to I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. See, it's got to work in us first. If the gospel you got doesn't work in you, if it's not bringing a change in you first, it's not going to affect others. Paul understood this. He said, it works in me mightily. Praise God. That's what I want. To say, Jesus is working in me mightily. He's doing things. He's changing me. He's explaining. He's showing me things. He's teaching me things. He's growing me. He's preparing me. He's getting me ready to help more people to come to know him. That's what this is all about. But you see, the devil wants to confuse people. He wants to slip into the church, cause this group to believe this, this group to believe this, this group, and then we start getting everybody divided in the church, and now nobody really knows what they're believing. Just believe in what this guy said. You can't just believe what a guy says. You got to compare it to the Scripture. And for you to do that, you got to know this. You got to study this. You got to get into it. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm about done. I'm going to say this again because I feel led to. You got a call on your life, and God's called you to ministry. God's called you to do something, and you ain't going like you should be going. I'm going to tell you something. God's got a way to get you there. God's got a way of letting things happen. to get your attention, stir you up, get you to searching, get you to seeking, and get you to digging like you ought to be digging. Because you can't can't depend on another man for what God wants to do in you. You You can't get this from me. You can't get this revelation. You can get understanding. You can get blessed. We all can from one another. But you can't get this personal divine revelation from me. You get it from the Holy Spirit. You get it from God. He opens it up to you. So study to show yourself approved unto God. Follow God's word. You young people in here, you young kids, Austin Braxton, read it as much as you can while you're young because it's going to help you one day. It's going to help you. God's going to use it. 
these kids in here, these little bitty ones that are being raised up, this is what they need. They need the truth. They need the truth of God's word, and they need parents that can live it in front of them because the kids watch you. Kids watch you. Now, there ain't none of us perfect. We all, we're parents. You do things wrong at times, and you sometimes you have to tell your kids, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But those kids watch you. So if mom and daddy say, oh, you, you don't need to be out smoking, don't need to be out drinking, don't be out there cussing, but they see you and hear you doing it. And you think about that. You got to let the Lord work in here first. It ain't about what you do for God. It's what God's doing in you. And to do it, you got to submit to Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to close in prayer. I hope you've been blessed tonight. Got something to take with you. Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. Robert, glad to have you again tonight, brother. Come back and see us sometime. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God. I thank you, Lord, for the truth that sets men free. And, Lord, I pray tonight, God, for every person in this place, Lord, that you touch them. God, if the devil, Lord, is trying to pull people away, trying to take people away, God, I pray that you intervene, that you interrupt his plans, Lord, and that you stop him, Lord, and that you shut his mouth, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for people tonight that are watching, Lord, whatever their issues may be, God, that you would move for them, move in them, move through them, God, and deliver them and touch them and change them, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you. For your word tonight, I pray that every one of us leave with something that we did not have before we came through these doors tonight. Lord, strengthen your people, bless your people, and watch over us, Lord, as we leave this place tonight. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless all of you. Sunday morning, come back. Saturday, don't forget Saturday morning. we got prayer meeting if you can come. Be here if not. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee, Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.